It was through this surreal, strobe-like flickering that Jim saw Lexi lying beneath the tree and called the police. When I arrived, there was police tape marking off the backyard gate, and the man I had spoken to on the phone met me as I walked across the lawn. He introduced himself again and took me to sit in the living room. I followed him dumbly, all my half-questions stalled by the dread that seemed to have stopped the passage of air through my lungs. I guess I knew what was coming. Already the house felt still and bare, as if it had been emptied of all the living complexity that had been there when I left. Even Lorelei was gone, having been sedated and taken away by animal control for the night. Detective Stack told me what had happened as I sat there, numb. Do you have any idea what your wife might have been doing in the tree? he asked. I don't know, I said. She had never, in the time I had known her, shown any interest in climbing trees, and this one couldn't have been an easy one to start with. The apple tree in our yard is unusually tall, a monster compared to the dwarf varieties you see in apple orchards and autumn pick-your-own farms. We had neglected it, not pruning it even once in the time we'd lived there, and it had grown to an unruly height of twenty-five or thirty feet. I couldn't begin to guess what she might have been doing up there. Detective Stack was watching me closely. Maybe she wanted to pick some apples, I said weakly. Well, that seems to be the logical answer. He looked at me and at the floor. It seems pretty clear to us that your wife's death was an accident. But in cases like this, when there are no witnesses, we need to do a brief investigation to rule out suicide. I have to ask, did your wife seem at all depressed lately? Did she ever mention suicide, even in a casual way? I shook my head. I didn't think so. I said. I just had to ask. When the men in the yard finished taking their pictures and collecting their evidence, Detective Stack talked to them and reported back to me that everyone was satisfied. It had been an accident, no question. Apparently there are two ways of falling, and each one tells a story. A person who jumps from a great height, even as high as seven or eight stories, can control the way she falls, if she lands on her feet, she may sustain great injuries to her legs and spine, but she may survive. And if she does not survive, then the particular way her bones break, the way her ankles and knees shatter from the stress of the impact, lets us know that her jump was intentional. But a person who reaches the top branches of an apple tree, 25 feet off the ground, and simply loses her footing has no control over how she falls. She may tumble in the air and land on her stomach or her back or her head. She may land with her skin intact and still break every bone and crush every organ inside her. This is how we decide what is an accident and what is not. When they found Lexi, she was lying face up and her neck was broken. This is how we know that Lexi didn't jump. Later, after the police had left and Lexi's body had been taken away, I went out into the yard. Underneath the tree, there was a scattering of apples that had fallen to the ground. Had Lexi climbed the tree to pick the last of the apples before they grew rotten on the branches? Perhaps she was going to bake something. 
Perhaps she was going to put them in a pretty bowl and set them someplace sunny for us to snack on. I gathered them up carefully and brought them inside. I kept them on the kitchen table until the smell of their sweet rot began to draw flies. It wasn't until a few days after the funeral that I began to find certain clues. Well, I hesitate to use the word clues, which excludes the possibility of sheer coincidence or overanalyzing on my part. To say I found clues would suggest that someone had laid out a careful trail of bits of information with the aim of leading me to a conclusion so well hidden and yet so obvious that its accuracy could not be disputed. I don't expect I'll be that lucky. I'll say instead that I began to discover certain anomalies, certain incongruities, that suggested that the day of Lexi's death had not been a usual day. The first of these anomalies had to do with our bookshelves. Lexi and I were both big readers, and our bookshelves, like anyone's, I imagine, were half-heartedly organized according to a number of different systems. On some shelves, books were grouped by size, big coffee table books altogether on the bottommost shelf, and mass-market paperbacks crammed in where nothing else would fit. There were enclaves of books grouped by subject. Our cookbooks were all on the same shelf, for example, but this type of classification was too painstaking to carry very far. Finally, there were her books and my books, books whose subject matter reflected our own individual interests, and books each of us had owned before we were married that had arrived in separate boxes when we moved in together and just got put on the shelf that way. Beyond that, it was a hodgepodge. Even so, I came to have a sense of which books belonged where, a mental impression.